Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Captain Chronicles podcast. My name is David, aka Redbeard, and welcome back. I'm so happy to see you all here. And today is joining me, the one and only, my Texan brother who I met in New York. He is a handsome man and very talented. Uh, he does everything from starting businesses to graphic design to uh, bouncing even. But I'll let him do all uh, all the storytelling. So please welcome Scott Travis. How are you doing, my brother? Doing good. Uh, fostering a little bit of uh, a little bit of shenanigans that happened last weekend from you know what you said, working security and bouncing. But doing well, doing well. Uh, it's good to talk to you and actually see your face for once that are just messaging me. But you know, yeah, I miss you, you man. Like, it's been a while. Miss you too. You look yeah, good. Man. Your eye is open now. <laughs> yeah, it's open. Stitches are still in there, but, you know, it is It is what it is. Part of the job. You just want to be as cool as me and have a scar on your face. I have a scar on the eyebrow. We kind of match now. I have so another one, like, lower. on my under, right by my lip, too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, I know you try to copy me. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to you do. just need to shave uh, your just head. Just copy, copy, copy the beard. I'm going to shave my head, copy the beard, and then yeah. I'm, I'm that much closer. It's so close. <laughs> <laughs> how you been man um i'm good man it's been a it's been a hectic few uh few months finishing up my last little stint of college because you know we went to the same college for um about two years until we yeah. both left at pretty much the same exact time um to go down a different little adventure um started a uh, new business with my buddy um still still actively doing design work but i mean i basically just kind of pick and choose who my clients are um and then uh, on the weekends, um, just so I can put all my money back into my business for expansion, I just I bounce on the weekends or do security, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, other than that, man, like just finishing up my last little stint of college, don't transfer kids. It's not fun. <laughs> um, uh, other than that, like it's just been mostly this new business, this new startup that my friend and I developed is taking off. But uh, other than that, man, that's, that's pretty much been it. Yeah. How's how's being in college during this crazy time? Um, it's horrible, <laughs> absolutely horrible. So I'm a I'm an in person class type of person or type of uh, student, and I kind of thrive on going being in the classroom, and it keeps me focused, keeps me directed towards my assignments, and um, kind of helps that daily reminder. Um, I don't care how disciplined and dedicated you are, um, a drastic change in your schedule and a drastic change in your, your lifestyle, especially in, in a college atmosphere is going to, going to have a heavy effect on you. But, um, uh, it's just, it's all online. It's a whole, I mean, everyone I know is having a difficulty right now dealing with how the classes are formatted and how everything is shifting and how, uh, how much you have to change your lifestyle in terms of college. And, um, we all it's know a, it's like a, being at home different. and being on a computer is already distracting and now doing school like that. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. It's a big change. Yeah, I'm sure. Like I saw I saw a post that says the best people who suited to be teachers in college in college right now are content creators. Like YouTubers and Pretty like because they know how to entertain like a bunch of people on Yeah. And that's, that's a huge issue with like the way the teachers were teachers were formatting their classes is most of the classes are not formatted for online No, They're formatted for, not at all. for students who, um, uh, or they're formatted for, for classes that are meant to be in person. It's the main issue yeah. is it's not really like 
Imagine like they do labs online. Like they, I have to do a lab. I'm doing a lab online. No, but I'm saying imagine like they do anatomy labs online. Like they send you a dead cat and like, okay, so just put your camera so I can see where you're cutting, please. (laughs) No, Jimmy, not the head. No. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a lab currently, and it's um it's not the easiest thing in the world to try to simulate experiments. That's crazy, man. Yeah. So a little bit like I, I've talked to you a little bit about the podcast before, but uh, what I'm doing here is basically I'm um, exploring the concept of connection. So I feel like uh, especially during this time when people kind of uh, kind of had a mirror put to their face in terms of how their life looks like connection plays a big deal especially when you're not connected to yourself and you kind of get lost and or like you know exactly what you want to do and it just goes beyond to your the connection to yourself it's like the people around you what you do like your hobbies your ideas everything so i'm it's something that i'm really passionate about and i really want to explore um so and i'm doing this through interaction with people who i very find very interesting and i really want to kind of pick their brains and you definitely wasn't my top on my list um so i just kind of was wondering and i'll like go straight to the sources like um ask something that how do you think um first of all how's your relationship with your parents how are your parents oh my parents are great i mean i'm lucky i'm pretty blessed to have the family that i do and the parents that i have they're um uh they're um always caring, always there for me, always checking in on me, making sure I'm okay. Um, so, I mean, like I can only imagine if someone doesn't have a close relationship with their parents, but I'm very lucky in that regard that I'm there. I'm an only child. Um, but my relationship, with my parents is a lot more than just a typical parent to child type of interaction. Um, they know basically everything about my life. It's an open book with them. Um, and I think that's, that's really how parent, child relationship should be i mean you're Um, you're having a good i would say you have two good role models like i've mm -hmm. been to your i've been in your house and i was uh had the uh the pleasure and the opportunity to be hosted by parents and they're delightful people Mm -hmm. um they really know like they have their values and they have their kind of like they're they know what they're doing and they know what leads them and they really feel like they passed it on to you yeah, I mean, a large portion of my success in life, I mean, very large portion is the way they raised me, the way they um, <clears throat> they never really sat there and said, you can't do something. There's uh, There was always uh, a variable of, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. You just have to be willing to put in the work. It was never because I think a, a big issue with with kids today is their parents will tell them you can be anything you want to be. Well, you can, you 100% can. But I think the biggest thing that my parents instilled, instilled in me is you can be anything you want, but you have to be willing to put in the blood, sweat, and tears needed yeah. to get to that. I mean, and that's I think that that's part. that's translated into my life. I mean, everyone can be lazy, but I mean, it's it's the consistency that's the important the importance the 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 consistency over time, and that's one thing that really instilled in me is it's 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 about finding a passion. It's about, um, but more importantly, it's about putting in the hard work and the dedication to something you love. But a big part of finding out uh, what you want to be in life is just finding that passion, just like you're doing right now and, and wanting to get into the content creation world and, and connect with people and have that, uh, have that, um, 
that level of creativity you need to do what you need to do so i would say for me it's a little different because i for me it was uh extrinsic sources like i didn't get it from my family from my family i would say it's a different kind of world where you need to find a job like you need to have a special specialty get good at it and like what i'm doing right now considered like an extra so everything extra is on your free time which is after the job like after school after the so it's uh i had to find my own kind of disciplines and mm-hmm. whatever whatever pushed me forward but i do I also took a lot of a lot of example from my parents and the way they operate um uh i was never i wasn't i don't think i was ever encouraged like to pursue what my heart told told me it's like you need to do what's right for the future and the more i grow up the more i understand that there is no such thing like there there is a future but in the very it's going very philosophical like tomorrow everyone can die so whatever and it doesn't matter what you're going to do like nothing is promised nothing is guaranteed so you can work very very hard and then the day before your success you get struck by uh, lightning or whatever a truck hits you and you never see your fruits so it's important i now learn to realize the importance of appreciating the moment and enjoying everything that i do right now and that's why i'm i decided to kind of fall out of this uh path uh you know robert frost i'm assume right mm-hmm. so you know the poem the road not, the road not taken Mm-hmm. so that's something that stuck really hard at me with me like after my in my english class so my parents are the people who kind of the take the road the most taken and i i decided no i want to go my own way with the values that they instilled in me but just find my own footing in the world yeah i think uh, i think a lot of that has to do with the way the the prime moment of, of history that we're living in where you you have the ability and the freedom to basically execute on any dream you want. There's a way to find out, there's a way to there's a way to develop it into its where it's gonna be able to provide for your family. I think I think prior in prior generations, um, you kind of had to follow that to a certain degree because there wasn't there wasn't an outlet like the the internet and um, and the ability for, for you to really dive into your passions and dive into, uh, what you truly want to do because it's, it's so much harder. And, but nowadays, um, I think, uh, especially with your and my generation and older ones and or slightly older ones that then once passed us or that, that were just born like the two thousands, I think the ability for them to really dive into what I enjoy and what I'm able to then translate into something that I can make my career um, is it's we're in a, we're in a time now where it's the first time in history. It's truly, truly, truly been possible for almost everybody. I think, yeah, like, like you say, it's, we live in a very, very interesting times where people can realize themselves and really kind of explore the depths of themselves and be themselves without mm-hmm. the society kind of crushing down on you and saying, no, stay in your lane, you know? Yeah, I agree. I like, think um, I look at this in it like as an RPG game, you know, when you kind of build your skill tree and you have mm-hmm. those kind of you have those um, 
like jobs like a cleric or a mage or a warrior or whatever now it's like everyone creates their own uh specialty and they kind well, of their own their own truly get to develop their own character exactly. yeah I, I that's that's a good it's a great way to put it i agree with you like great way to put it if if you don't play computer games please try one and like uh just like explore this idea because i think you people gonna like it <laughs> yeah um translates over well yeah uh so i just like i just want to also ask you how do you think your relationship with your with your parents affect um your relationship with other people in your life do you think it has like a major effect um i think in my instance my parents were very um they never really told me uh let's go back to childhood and work our way up never really told me um well you can't hang out with this person you can't do this you can't do that it was always um it was always judge not judge but uh not judge the person and this i'm using this word in a, in a very abstract way but don't uh don't judge someone based off of um what you think they are really get to know them i understand their character because there was always a why to some, something there's always a why to something um, so my friendship, uh, friendships were very much, uh, fostered by my parents because they wanted me to go out and they wanted me because I was an only child, um, have large extroverted tendencies, but I was an only child. So I also thrive in <clears throat> being by myself. So when I was a kid, they were always like, Scott, go out, go do, go be with your friends, go, go crash your bicycle, go do, go, just go, go experience life. Um, <laughs> Uh, just because like they, they understood that, I mean, especially being an only child, I had to, a lot of my connection out of my house was crucial to my, just my, my social aptitude and my ability to grow as a person because 100%. your parents help you grow, but your friends help you change. And, and I think, uh, I think the biggest, um, the biggest variable in life and your biggest portion of success is through your friends. I mean, your, your parents kind of set the foundation, your friends help set the frame. And then you take the the connection of both and you start building the house. That's, uh, I think there's, there's a lot to it that I can uh, relate. I think also it's a great way to put it because, you know, they say you always need to s surround yourself with the people that kind of push you forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like that's a very, that's a very good way to set you on the right path, kind of to filter, set your filters, I would say, to... Yeah know which people to attract but i think by be you by being you like when a person kind of finds their own path and gets their um uh, kind of gets the hang of who they are they're automatically going to filter the people who are not right for them and not right for their surroundings yeah i mean i a big um a big change in my life was really i mean words matter and calling someone your friend to me is a big deal. I have a lot of acquaintances, a lot of people that I know, but in reality, a friend is someone like you and a friend, a uh, friend is someone like Wade, which you've met and like a bunch of my Bryce, um, a bunch of people in my life that are very, um, that, that actually know you. Cause like a lot of people say, well, I have, he's my friend and she's my friend. And I'm like, Oh really tell me about them. And I think, um, I think changing your terminology and changing, uh, how you view what a friend is, is crucial. And when you start going down the path that we talked about, 
what I think what really happens is when you when you start going down your own path and you begin to mature um, down that journey, you really begin to see um, that friendships have to be beneficial. There can't be a leech. Yeah. Within 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 a relationship with someone else, it has to be something that's that's beneficial. And not that saying it has, I'm not saying like a monetary sense or something like that, but something that helps kind of build you up because like I said, the metaphor back when uh, your friends help build your frame, if you have a few bad frame or a few bad, um, bad structures in the house, it's going to fall. And you have, you have to be able to, everything has to be able to hold up. Well, it has to have a benefit to your life. Cause I mean, mean, there's, I mean, if if there's, if there's no emotional, like just ability for someone to, to connect with you, then you're, it's not going to, it's not going to help you. True. I mean, but it goes, it cuts like, I mean, it cuts both ways. Like it has to, the way your friends kind of supporting you, you in return will be supporting your friends. Yeah. That's right. been natural. Yeah. I would say like, like the term for it would be symbiosis. Kind yeah. Of symbiosis. Great way to put it. Yeah. Um, so, now, like, I kind of feel where you're coming from and um, how, and I would like to know how that set you, what inspired you from that life to become, to go into the more entrepreneurial way, like entrepreneurial path? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's a, there's a multitude of variables that I'm going to, I'm going to touch on. I think the first one, um, negating friends, parents, because um, for that emotional connection, I think, um, there's such a harder push in our generation and also today in this world we live in to kind of do your own thing. Um, people are unhappy with the corporate, um, uh, just very boxed in type of lifestyle. They, um, college is becoming to a point where, um, it's, it's pumping out people that go into a system that really, yeah, it, it, I mean, that's what college is designed for. I mean, unless you're going into something that's truly creative and um, or something that like requires college to be the way that it's designed for, like a medical industry or science or math industry. Um, the other the other degree pass, it just it, it sets you up for a um, a turnout system that puts you into where society wants you to be, which I'm not saying that's wrong or anything like that. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Um, but um I think the way I saw, I was, I had, I've had the, the rare opportunity to experience a lot of stuff um, involving business and involving um, a special type of education that most students really don't get. Mm. Um, even from, even from a, a high school standpoint, I had a, I had a I had rare opportunities with programs that most kids don't get the opportunity to dabble in. And I think um, that's where the journey started. Yeah, like seeing exposure, the way, seeing, exposure yeah, to, and, to the, this, those kind of programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think that uh, that shift really um, began, started to really begin um, in my senior year of high school when I did that that program that will be discussed, and we we can go into that later. Um, but it really allowed me to to get a taste of um, starting a business. Yeah, but and, like, uh, uh, no, it's okay. You can you can kind of expand on on how exactly like you said the program, but I'm like we say program, but what exactly was there? Like they showed you what a business is. They kind of broke down in a I would say you said elementary, right? 
That's, uh, no, uh, high school. High school. So in high school, they kind of showed you the ropes of what business is? Yeah. Um, and that was the main one, the, the main, the main catalyst. I mean, there was a few small things. I started a mowing business. I had a extreme paintball addiction as a kid. It was my little, my little hobby. <laughs> and my dad said, if you want to, if you want to play this sport, you need to figure out how to support it. So, um, I went out and started a small lawn mowing business. I would mow a handful of lawns. I was I waiting just, for your kind of lemonade state and kind of moment. Cause I felt like there was something in there that would push you like push your creative juices to kind of your gear start grinding. How do I get something up in order to make yeah. something? Well, actually what's funny is now that I'm thinking about that, I my actual, when you said elementary, that kind of brought something up in second grade. Um, we had, a uh, we had a, this teacher basically, um, started this kind of like economic system in the class. And, um, if you got good grades and did this and did that, you could get this little reward of money. Um, and it was, it was obviously like basically just monopoly money. Um, but, uh, it was his own little micro system in the class. And at the end of the year, um, you could go buy, um, uh, you could go buy like toys and it was basically <laughs> anything you would get like Chuck E. Cheese or main event. Um, but it was just little, little knickknacks. And, um, my friend and I started, uh, started a business inside the class <laughs> and these kids would just have these wads of just this paper, like fake bright yellow and pink and green money. <clears throat> Excuse me to clear my throat. Um, pink and green money. And they would, um, they would just have it in their bag. And, um, I, I just happened to, uh, a weird little, little, like three month stint got interested in origami. I think I picked up a book at a scholastic book fair <laughs> and kind of got interested in folding. And I learned how to make, um, I, I, I realized that people needed to carry these, the money. So I started making paper wallets, um, <laughs> and cause there was a supply and there was a demand, yeah. um, there was a need for it. So I developed this money and at the end of the year. Um, my friend and I had over 90% of the cash in the entire class and the other kids when I bought little two, two or three little things. And then we both handed an equal stack to the teacher <laughs> and we carried the entire box of toys out of the classroom. <laughs> so you're now the 1%, that, that you're that, that <laughs> be, the 1% that people always talk about. <laughs> that was uh, that was that's always one of those cheesy entrepreneurial stories you, you hear about, uh, you hear about when you, when you listen to other podcasts and stuff like that, or those but that's inspirational awesome. videos, like, but it's, 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 I mean, if you have, if you have that bone in your body, like something like that's going to come up. But, um, now segueing into, um, high school, basically the program was, there was, a uh, this program called, uh, uh, the acronym was VEI and it was virtual enterprises international. Mm -hmm. And, um, basically the program was to help simulate, uh, a, a true business environment for students. That's so down, awesome. down, yeah, down to, um, applying for seed money. You had to pay your employees, um, I'll, I'll interrupt uh, every you two just for one second. And I'll say yeah. that I feel like there is a lot of, I personally, I really connect to that kind of education when you have a, uh, kind of a mission you need to accomplish and you get the tools while you like the the learning process as you get the tools that you need to accomplish that mission mm -hmm. like you learn by doing and rather than learn by reading and doing homework like and yeah. i feel that that kind of program is missing across the entire uh school like school system that there's like people are really missing out when they're not 
trying like it can be in physics it can be in chemistry like you know like you can set up like five assignments i was just talking about this today with someone you can set up like five challenges that students need to like uh, solve by the end of the year and they're gonna get the the tools while they're learning and that kind of gonna grind their gears and they're gonna have to figure it out yeah i think um uh with this program um which uh i'm gonna give a brief example of it and i'm gonna connect on that point you just talked about and to kind of explain how how uh how i think it's experiential learning is the the technical term um and uh so basically this program which again i was lucky to be in the school that i did it was a public school but it had amazing what they called academies mm -hmm. so basically you would apply for these programs if you got accepted um you could get blocks one or two or three um uh periods to work on these these programs so this program basically like i said was uh the best way i can explain it in just a broad stroke is it was a micro environment or micro economy um that was running within itself uh with about four thousand other teams i think it was four to five thousand if my number if my mind and my memory doesn't betray me four to five thousand teams in total um nationally and around like i want to say around seven to eight thousand um teams internationally so basically this program would guide you through a structure basically give you the foundation of how to start a business and it was everything from setting up legal setting up um, your hr department setting up um your um your uh c-suite so cmo cco the cfo all the finance creative marketing basically building um, the whole structure by yourself yeah the just a general business structure um but there was everything down to the small details of you had to the the ceo had to sign checks and they had to send uh checks had to send their their employees money twice a week and those employees had to spend the money within that micro economy hmm. um and you had to go apply for seed money and then you had to go you had to go in court you had to choose which business and then you had to go send the send in the the paperwork to incorporate as like an s corp or a b corp or an llc or whatever you wanted to be um and then uh basically you developed a product you had to develop a marketing strategy for that product you had to not just develop it because a lot of pro uh, projects in school you have to develop it but you never have to enact it developing is the easy part making it work is the hard part oh. um so you actually had to take that information and you had to and the everything you were collecting and find your target market and position your your company position your product your service or whatever and then you had to translate that into making it a well-oiled machine so we, this whole program we had, well, the thing is one thing um, we ended up, uh, I'm going to get to this point and then go back. We had to, we ended up winning first place nationally um, as a first year program, never happened in this program. <laughs> um, little humble brag. Um, but uh, we, had to, okay. <laughs> we had to, um, we had to, we had to take this program and develop it. And then we ended up, uh, with not knowing how it ran, because some of these schools have been doing this for 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. So it was just like running running an old business. We were a startup. So we had to figure everything out. But the thing, one thing I think we had different, and this is going to connect to what you said about education, one thing that was different was the type of teacher that we had. So um, he he wanted us to figure it out. Hmm. He didn't want us to sit there and read and then 
uh, and then follow this template that we had that everyone else had. He's like, if you want to be different, you have to be different. Um, and uh, he's like, figure it out. He didn't. He didn't sit there and what I, what I call a lot of these teachers in these programs that they have, um, they're puppets. Oh yeah, the students like are hovering, puppets. hovering. Yeah, yeah. They're the the teachers, are the puppeteers. I so see. they're not really what what our teacher did is he basically was the barricades on a bowling lane that would just help you. It doesn't mean you're going to hit a hit a. Uh, um, a strike. A strike at a strike at the end of that lane. It means that you have a little bit of guidance yeah. to help you get to the to the finish line. So he basically would, if we were steering wrong, he would be like, instead of saying you're doing this one, he'd be like, How can we do this better? And he would never he would never he would help guide us and give us advice here and there, but he would never sit there and be be like, You're doing this wrong. You know what I'm really like something that I'm really taking apart from this amazing story is your passion towards this whole uh towards this whole industry or this whole uh career path and i feel like if you don't have this kind of passion if you can't talk about something this um and this in a, such a lively way like really go and tell the details and like relive it and i feel that's something that uh you need to kind of check yourself because this is something yeah. the way you describe talk about is contagious is like you i can feel like the the enthusiasm and the like your desire to pursue it and i feel like this is like a, a major component in doing something that you like and doing mm -hmm. something that's good for you because i feel like you're doing this not just because you see the money and the financial opportunity, which is obviously there, but it's genuinely brings your happiness and makes, mm -hmm. uh, brings joy to your life by kind of pushing yourself forward by kind of diving into the unknown and figuring it out. Yeah. I mean, and to connect what you just said back to education and, uh, back with the type of teacher that I had, I think that's huge, the, one of the biggest benefits of being a teacher, which eventually I want to, I want to be in a collegiate level, um, uh, position of teaching. Cause if you want to, if you want to, if you want to, um, solve an issue, sometimes you have to infiltrate it. So I'll see there's a lot of issues with college. So I want to help fix it in my own way. So basically, um, I think igniting that passion has to come from discovery and it has to come from the ability for a student or a mentee to be able to really dive into the problem solving aspect of it. They have to make it personal. So I think instead of, instead of, um, teaching the way we teach in certain subjects, I think it needs to be more of a mentorship. I think it needs to be something that's more about guidance and less about, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, less about just the, the, the type of structure that they give you, but, the um just the 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 way they go about expressing the knowledge to you so instead of instead of sitting there and um and having these students digest content the way they do have them learn to figure out it's not just about what you learn it's why you learn it also feel so, like an important part what that he played is that he didn't um i'm looking for this word but he didn't shelter you. He no, let you, he was there to guide you, but he under, 
also helped to encourage you when you were doing something right and kind of put you on your path and not and let you feel the sting when it was like when it wasn't going right like oh 100 so, but he didn't let you fall completely so he was like you said he like in the bowling alley he was not letting you fall into the gutter on both sides and i feel like that's a major component inside like um beside of fostering curiosity and and teaching in the right way is in this kind of project and this kind of approach is letting the students kind of experience the range of emotion and like the range of like the whole spectrum as much it makes as a person yeah like let him feel those those lows and highs and kind of balance himself find the balance oh yeah i mean i was um when i first started the program i was uh i was the ceo for a while and i just didn't i didn't understand how to manage students i didn't know how to understand manage people and then one day he came to me and he goes scott i think you need to step down to go to a different position um he goes this is purely your decision but he goes he goes you're just not thriving in this position he goes he goes you have the ability to do a lot of things in this program but again like he said you need to you need to fill this thing it needs to be personal yeah and that was a huge a huge blow to my confidence but the thing is it um, ended up working out way better for me for the position that I was able to work in because I just became like a consultant to all the branches um, of the business. And that gave me more knowledge of, of the company, which then in turn helped me when we went to compete. I could answer questions about finance, answer questions about marketing, answer questions about, um, about HR and legal and all these different variables because he understood that he, we can't be coddled. We can't be, um, we can't be completely protected. We, we can, he can, he can, there's a way he went about it and he was very, very straightforward, but also very, this is, this is going to be, this is going to hurt, but you can learn something from it. It was empathetic. Yeah, it was empathetic. Exactly. And it had, it had a, a level of emotion and a level of, of respect for me, um, that allowed me to, to, do what I did. I mean, it, again, it was the best decision I ever made in that program because I just, I, I didn't thrive in it. I had too many really good friends in the program. I was in high school. I didn't know how to navigate that type of social environment of being a manager. Um, and especially with some of your best friends in the world who I'm still best friends with today, were in the same program with me, being able to, being able to navigate that. I didn't know I wasn't equipped to know that. And he wasn't going to give me, um, the, the puppeteering to navigate like through that. He, he, yeah, he wasn't going to give me freebies. He wanted me to fall and he wanted me to find what I was good at. And I think um, I think the whole concept of education and the, the, the pass-fail grade system, I think, uh, is also not good for that type of environment. To be able for students to fall, for it, be able to, to actually learn. Because the issue is, like, if you don't know something and um, let's say you didn't study this specific portion of the test hard enough, but you studied everything else, well, that specific portion can completely make you fail the test and there's no way to recover. Yeah. Cause, uh, and I think, um, I think is everything, every decision in life is going to have you uh, have an ability for some form or fashion for you to figure out how to recover from it. And yeah, like life is not a failed pass system. No, no, it, there's a way to recover. hundred percent. Just, just about everything. Like, like, if you strong in one thing, you don't have to be strong in everything. Like there is some things yeah. you can be very good at and some things you're just not good. And the, like the beauty of it, that there are so many different people that kind of can 
um, supplement your, I would say, your inability to perform in a certain uh, aspect. Like, like you said, like in a company, no one does everything. Like not even the CEO, because um, you have specific person for HR, you have specific person for finances, you have specific person for for uh, creative, you have specific because you have to have this kind of like mind space to kind of push the business forward. Like if the CEO would be buried all the time in like, I need to think about money, I need to think about hiring, I need to think like the company will never grow. And mm -hmm. like as a person, if you like, that's why we have accountants and we have doctors and we have engineers and architects, like we all need to play our role and like we need to rely on each other as well to kind of make it forward in life. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but that's like crazy experience that I kind of what I would put in like uh, key points is first of all, like get to experience things and kind of by trial and error, so you could have the different range of emotions and so you could see where you like when you, what you like what you don't like and kind of find the balance and find your. Uh, uh, find your footing also what you think you're good at is not exact not always what you're actually good at so you kind of need to have perspective on yourself mm -hmm. kind of keep yourself in check and and don't give up like keep going forward yeah. and kind of don't let your ego dictate the way but like let your um inner voices like your your emotions and your uh, ideas kind of uh, pave the path towards mm -hmm. the goals that you need. Yeah, I mean, th that really, um, and kind of just the, the whole discovery aspect you just talk about. So basically, when I got into college, that uh, that program that I was a part of, VEI, um, uh, shout out to everyone that was working with Life's Purity and also Antonio Banos and that whole crew that I had um, uh, to work with. But that program then led me into going to a rare experience with college. But the, the, the biggest experience is I had, I had uh, my ups and downs, obviously, with uh, my previous college. But um, my, um, my biggest, I, my, one of my biggest takeaways was um, no ski the drinking. internship that I had. What's up? No punching bags. Yeah. Or ski it was, shots. Uh, yeah, it was uh, the, the biggest, the biggest, um, the biggest change that that kind of put the nail in the coffin about what I wanted to do was my internship. I had a opportunity to do an internship in New York City, which is wild. I never thought I would be as raised in Texas my entire life that I would be somewhere crazy as New York City. Um, but I ended up uh, learning about the creative aspect because I was originally a dual major in marketing and finance. And um, I was really good or decently good, I should say, from the experience that I had at accounting. And uh, I, luckily, I had a really good teacher to help foster that when I was at that school. But the program that I joined or the, the internship that I joined completely flipped the script. Hmm. I didn't I didn't want to do anything related to general business. Um, I didn't want to do marketing, traditional business. I yeah. shouldn't say general, but traditional business. Go down that path of the business school. Um, completely flipped the script because that that uh, internship was nuts. That everyone in that that uh, office was 
a hundred years more qualified than me in design. <laughs> um, they were. We're gonna uh, touch a, talk about design in a little bit, but yeah, okay. keep going. Um, they a uh, hundred years more qualified than me. They were just all geniuses. The guy who owned it, Ronnie, was just everything you would want to be in terms of a creative. Um, and uh, I just got to work with is uh, just insane startups in New York City artists. I got to go to the city three days a week, all expenses paid, meal paid, got to eat lunch on top of a penthouse rooftop. Um, and that was my first. I would, would like to touch up on that, like finish the story. And I would like to touch up on the differences in mentality. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I just, I got to experience the, he threw me into the pit. I was in meetings with executives and he would look at me and say, Scott, what's your opinion? And I'm sitting there as a little freshman going, Oh shit. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. Um, I didn't think my opinion had any weight to it, but again, he was just like my mentor that I had in high school. Um, Antonio, he wanted me to go into the fire. He didn't want, he didn't want, he didn't want me to sit there and, and analyze it and overanalyze it, reanalyze it. And that he just goes, Scott, what's your opinion? Hmm. And I'm sitting in front of people that are more wealthy than I'll ever be in my life. And I've been through enough businesses <laughs> to, to, to run a country. Um, that, uh, it, it, it kind of just put the, the last little, last little screw into the, the path, last little, last little stone in the walkway. And, um, it just, it changed from then on out. Fell in love with design, which I dabbled with before. I had a great teacher in high school that I got to do this crazy, this uh, crazy cool program with the school that it was just all about like graphic design. Mm -hmm. Was I good at it? No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but, like, uh, that sounds like uh, this program really kind of, like you said, cemented your your passion on your view on the business world and uh, I would say the entrepreneurial world of creating and establishing your business in this uh, environment. Yeah, uh, but I agree. something that I would like, like you brought up and it's really, I'm really interested is how's the, the difference in mentality help or like, what, what is it like uh, to be raised in Texas and how does it affected you versus living in New York? No, oh, um, people don't like to be called ma'am. Um, <laughs> in New York, um, they, uh, they, they look at you weird when you hold a door open for them. Um, but, uh, it was, uh, gosh, was a little just, bit of courtesy is like, over, like, ugh, get it away from me, get it away from me. Kindness. Ugh. No, New York, New York wasn't that bad. Um, no, it was, uh, I think it was the biggest change really. Cause I was on the Island for most of my little tenure in, in New York, but, um, I think the biggest change that was that culminated from that whole process wasn't necessarily the, the, the people, but it was the type of mindset people had. Uh, Which and it was, it was very, it was very um, in your own bubble type of mentality. At least that's how I experienced. I mean, you, you can, mean you, you can feel about, that even you talk about New York. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. New York. My bad. Um, you can feel that even for all the way down to the, the driving Good Lord. Um, <laughs> New York City is crazy, but the Long Island Express going into Queens is a Mad Max. Oh yeah! Um, oh yeah! 
uh, you know, um, but I mean, just being in the cities for, for, for a very specific example, um, just like walking down the street, everyone had a place to be, everyone had something to do. Everyone had somewhere to some meeting to go to some restaurant to go to, um, some day to go. There was always just people constantly on a mission around you. And you don't really get to experience that in Texas just because everything is like you, when you came to visit, you had to drive everywhere. Yeah. You had to, you had to be everywhere. And I think, um, I think the, the, honestly, the biggest, the biggest change was kind of like the environment, the type of environment that I was in. Texas is massive, freaking massive. So everything you have to do is driving even downtown Dallas. Yeah. You should have a car, <laughs> um, in, in, in a, in a, in a, in a city. Um, but I think, uh, I think that it was just, everybody was on a mission to do something. And, uh, and you could see it in their eyes. Like you, when you walk through the streets, you know, you don't look at people, you look through people or you're going to end up bumping into somebody. <laughs> if you walk slow, they'll kill you. Yeah. I mean, you have to, every time you, you cross the street, you have to be willing to get hit by a car. But I think that just becomes kind of like a true, I feel, you know what I, I just realized? I feel it's the saturation that makes the difference. Like in Texas, because there's so much distance between the people, then the human interaction is welcome. So it's not mm -hmm. as... That's, yeah, it's very so, valid. So versus New York, when it's like, I have people around me all the time. So I just, I don't want to be around people. I want to have my own little space. And I want to have my two seconds of quiet and don't chat with the barista over my coffee because I need to go to another place because at the, at the end of the day, I want to have my time because right now I don't have my time. Yeah, that's a great, that's, I mean, that's a great, great way to put it. There was always, you always, you're, you're on moments of moments of sanity and moments of quiet are always the ones when you're just to yourself. I mean, look how it pans out, though. Uh, I feel like the, the I would say in Texas, there's no much difference in terms of how people see each other. Like uh, they're still going to greet each other and still going to appreciate people's uh, presence in their life. Like they'll take their time and enjoy the, the pre like the, the socialization in New York when it was got hit and everyone just stopped talking to each other and got stuck in their own apartments suddenly they realize okay i need this human interaction i need to see other people i need to talk to them i mean as soon as things will kind of like start going back to normal new york will kind of i feel like new york is going to bounce back and kind of go back to its uh rush hour crazy mentality. crazy ways yeah but it just comes to show in how some some people kind of don't take take for granted the human aspect like the human interaction and other people until it doesn't hit them in the face they are kind of pass on it yeah and i mean there's nothing i mean i don't want to sound like there's anything wrong with the way new york was i kind oh, of miss I love it new york yeah. and i miss it i miss uh, i miss new york city a lot um and but i just like the i honestly miss the kind of i don't know the the hustle and bustle of the city sometimes it pushes um, you forward it pushes you forward and i mean i i think uh it 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 sets you down a path that's interesting but it's it's it was just it was a crazy time in my life it, it helped me grow 100%. so much like i saw you 100%. i saw you i saw you grow from like the moment when we met and the moment like we kind of 
our ways kind of went different way like you went your different ways um but throughout this time like i saw how you advanced and how you opened your mind and how things affected you yeah and i was it, like, it definitely it was i think i think everybody should should go to a different state and go to a different place um, when they first graduate high school they need to they need to you need to you need to go because like if you talk to people that stayed in their hometown their their type of growth is completely different from someone who left 100 percent not not to cut them or anything i'd say it's no, bad it's, it's like just a, so different you, you get more different very specifically yeah you get I use you get different very specifically yeah it's just like i think part of part of growing and part of uh evolving is you have to face environments that are different from yours like to different degrees like you can meet like an extreme like go to Africa and meet people who live completely different from you or China and kind of then wrap your head around and make your own conclusions of life. But yeah. unless like, as that's like, unless if you live in your own kind of bubble, like uh, echo chamber, you'll never going to be able to evolve to the next way. It's a next step kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was all that was also very special about New York. That I don't think you really get in any other place on this earth. No. Is a level of diversity. Yeah. In that small little region in the US. And when I mean small, I mean I mean like the the Manhattan Island and just Dude, all the you can hear like just, forty languages in one day. Yeah. And it's like that that level of diversity was just so interesting. Because I mean like Texas, I mean Texas is a pretty diverse relatively diverse state um a lot of people are moving here i know um, a lot um but i mean it's just the like we talked about the density which yeah. the way in new york the, the environment of new york texas will never have that um it's just so big but i but, feel it, sh it should like i feel that's what makes part of it special i don't think it needs to be saturated in my opinion no no no, no. I, I i i agree with that the 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 mindset and the, the type of social interaction is just, it's, it's uniquely Texan. Yeah. And I mean, I've been all over the U S and there's not really another state like Texas, but what do you really love about it? Yeah. I mean, Texas. Yeah. Except the no income tax and uh, guns. <laughs> um, I think, uh, the the freedom not necessarily from like a political standpoint i'm talking about the environment standpoint mm -hmm. the freedom in which just to, it's so big and there's so much space and you get kind of used to that space um i think that's one of the biggest things i love about texas uh besides some of the food which I, you got to experience i know you oh, miss that cobbler god i do um, <laughs> um but getting to experience the whole just the diversity of the state. I mean, you go, you can go hit the beach down, uh, down in South Padre or Galveston or the, the Gulf coast, which I mean, take it what you will, how clean it is, but it's, it's the, it's the, <laughs> the Gulf coast. Um, but then you can go, I mean, go up to Austin, go to the hill country or head to El Paso and get small mountains or go to, I mean, if you're really into really, 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 I mean, really flat ground, <laughs> You can go to West Texas, which I'm where I'm currently located, um, for one final year. But um, 
I mean, just the ability to, to, to go places in the state and only be in Texas. I think it's one of the coolest aspects. I mean, you can, I mean, I think that from one, the, the two almost opposite corners of Texas, I think it's a 17 hour drive from Jeez. one corner to the other. Um, this state is freaking huge. Dude, do you know how much, how how long it will need to take you to drive from the northest part, like the widest part of Israel? Mm. Oh, three hours? Not even. Two I'd, I'd take that. I drive. That's how long it takes me to drive to my grandmother's house. Sir, so you see, like that's something crazy. Like <laughs> how people here, for example, like like they hear if you tell someone it's an hour car ride, they're like, oh my god, this is a lot. Like, if you say to an American this in an hour car, it's like, oh, no problem. Like, let's hop on the road. Then you, tell, then, you tell, then you tell a Texan it's an hour car ride, and they're like, oh, that's my normal commute to work. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I, used to, I used to also do security in downtown Dallas, and my commute to work was sometimes an hour and 45 minutes. Damn, that's crazy. But, I mean, if you really think about it, like, you, the, the commute from Long Island, where we, where we used to be and used to live, to the city was 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, which is kind of nuts, but um, it's how close we were. But 45 minutes to the city by train, that's, I mean, it's all relative. Like, you, you just, you take those opportunities of, of quiet, like we talked about, and you just kind of utilize it to relax and grow, be yeah. with yourself, which is important. And Take your time. Like, enjoy it. I feel like, you know, what I, I realized, like, or for me at least, there's no such thing. Like, I, I come to hate the term free time. I don't think there is such a thing. There's free time. It's like your time and you do whatever you want with it. Yeah. So, like, in your spare time, there is no such thing. Like, whenever someone's in your spare time, I don't have a spare time to spare. Like, every second counts. Like it might put a lot of pressure, but if you look at it in like a big perspective, you don't have a lot of time to do things. You sleep like one third of your life. You're in the restroom for another quarter. And like, <laughs> <laughs> like depends on your bowel movement. But I'm saying like, you don't get a lot of time to do things to be awake and be present. So every second counts. Well, so, yeah. But what I, you brought something up before and i really want to touch upon that as design is how mm-hmm. how does that fit in your life like where does that come from okay so um i think my mom and my dad my dad was uh he went to uh for a chunk of his his tenure in college he went to art school mm-hmm. um so he was a painter drawer i mean i have multiple uh he was um used to um, work with glass pottery so like really? yeah my i've always had my dad's artwork everywhere i have a huge painting in my mural that my dad did or um uh, uh um just a painting inside my room which you've seen um i did see uh, that I've, like when i was a uh, i was visiting because i saw only the only thing i saw is your mom the creative like she's baking and baker. painting and like coming up with cool ideas like your dad is doing his work at the church but i didn't know yeah. he was doing like all this crazy artwork yeah i mean he, he his art his art was his passion um and just like him our like my, my my dad and i both have our similarities is sometimes what we do can kind of contradict what we also do if that makes <laughs> sense um so like i'm i work security and i'm a bouncer on top of of being a designer on my laptop and all that stuff my dad was 
insanely fast in high school, ran a four three three forty. was a bodybuilder when he was, <laughs> um, when he was in, uh, his co- in college career. I mean, I think he was also crazy? a painter. Like he, how, he how those and, things, like how, how I, diverse we can get as people. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think in a, in a moment of extremes, you find a lot of similarities. So, I mean, um, the dead, I think it comes down to dedication mostly, but I mean, that's where I got a lot of my subliminal. Yeah. I couldn't draw to save my life. <laughs> um, I think that's why I'm good on the computer because my mind is creative, but my hand doesn't cooperate with what's going on up here. So I use illustrator and Photoshop to straighten my lines out for me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think, I think that's the biggest, the, the biggest thing was just seeing that constantly. Like I would always see my dad's artwork and I would see my mom. My mom is just unbelievably talented when it comes to not just like baking, but the, the actual design on the, 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 the dessert she makes and the cookie she makes just unbelievably talented. Um, and seeing that, I thought I would never have a creative bone in my body until I discovered the Adobe Suite. <laughs> and uh, and then um, realized that I'm an okay designer, but web design is where I really began to dabble in. And then brand design specifically, because um, again, I can't, like I said, I can't draw, but I can work with shapes. I feel like your so. design actually comes from the way you see things. It's like you like the aesthetic like you appreciate the aesthetic you appreciate the structure and the order and the the shapes of things not just the what they stand for but how they look how they it's mm-hmm. a representation of what they do yeah so that internship um focused heavily on brand strategy and brand design so that's what uh, that's what really sparked my interest so I basically did what anyone who didn't want to spend a ton of money in college to try to find this non-existent degree path. Hmm. Um, I just went to just went to YouTube, and I just digested hundreds and hundreds, and this is not an exaggeration, hundreds of hours yeah. of content. Not because I because I had the I had the the mind muscle connection to be able to make this stuff, but I didn't understand the behind the scenes stuff that either comes with industry experience or comes with, um, uh, comes with working at a company. So we're going to school. So I just digested hundreds and hundreds of hours of, uh, of just content nonstop. Just, that's all I did for a long time. I wasn't watching TV very much. Um, besides like when I was about to go to bed, I wasn't, uh, doing much, but just learning that stuff. I spent more time learning that than I did on my schoolwork. I'm sure my mom will end up listening to this, but I'm sorry, mom. That's what I did when I first came to tech. Um, (laughs) But I just, I dove into that and I, I fell in love with the strategy behind it because my mind, it's very, I'm very much right brain um, oriented, but there's a level of me that really enjoys structure. And I think that's where brand design specifically with me and also um, web design comes into play because it allows that balance of structure with, with creativity um, that you just don't get with some other, some other um, facets of design yeah. and, and art and creativity and stuff like that. So um, I just, I fell in love with, with design, but I also fell in love with what made, what made me, um, I guess, different than most designers is I went, instead of going from design to a business, I went from business to design. 
Hmm. So um, that's why I think I gravitated towards brand strategy um, and web design or user experience and user interface development was because I wasn't just trying to make something look pretty. I was trying to make it practical. Um, and that, that's where a lot of uh, young designers go wrong when it goes into um, making this a career hmm. is they end up focusing their attention on, oh, this looks pretty, but what's the practicality? How is this going to convert? How is this going to benefit their business? But the biggest reason I went into business with or my, my original business with design was because I saw dishonesty within the design community. People weren't providing the services that companies truly needed. They were just trying to give them something that would satisfy that little taste that companies think like they need. Itch. Yeah. So um, a lot of companies will be like, I need a logo. Okay. Why do you need a logo? Why do you need this? Maybe it's not the, the logo that you need. Maybe it's the understand the creative end of your business and how to connect with your consumer. So in the logo, that's the important part of creativity with working with businesses. It's not necessarily the deliver deliverables you get, but it's the, the strategy behind it so they can understand exactly why they need what they need. It sounds like there is a lot of, like you need to really be a good listener and really pay attention to uncover the real needs behind, like of the company behind the, like the superficial uh, uh, want of the, tr of the trend because there's a lot of trends in design. Yeah. So yeah. your Every job year. is not just to see the product, but to kind of suit, like to kind of tailor the pro, like the good design for the company, kind of to to uh, bridge the wants and the needs of the client. Yeah, and, it, and like, I mean, to relate this back to my parents, my mom always um, taught me from a young age, it's, my parents taught me this from a young age. It's not, um, it's not listening to respond. It's listening to understand. <laughs> so everything, all the questions I designed for companies when I first, cause I, I require, um, when I work with companies, cause I won't work with a company that I feel like I can't benefit. I'm not just going to take their money and run. If I don't feel like I can work best with them, I'll try to connect them with someone else and help them vet out that process. But, um, I, uh, I always do something like I go into a deep dive. It's a lot of, it's a lot of asking why when I work with clients, a lot of asking why, 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 why you just keep breaking down until you finally get the answer of, um, of why they need you because they think, they think, Oh, if I get a logo, that's going to help me. No logo won't help you. It's not a matter of the logo. It's a matter of how you implement your brand with your consumer. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was working with a real estate client. Um, and, uh, he, uh, he wanted a website and, um, but he didn't know what he wanted the website for. And he didn't know why he wanted to redevelop or, um, relaunch his brand and do a rebrand. And I just kept asking why it was literally like, it, it would be, I would sit there with a notepad. And the first question I would ask is why do you need this? And they'll say, Oh, this, and I'm like, okay, why do you need this? And then I would find little details within those questions and then make it basically a pyramid going down until it finally clicked with the one answer that they, that you can see it in their eye when they, when they finally come up with the, the question that they need, because if you can figure out that question, you can translate that into design. That is such an important question. Like I was the one that's just like waiting for you to to finish. Like, I feel like why is such an important question that like 
there are so many books about it and like there's one very good by simon sinek start with why but a lot of people don't ask themselves that question they're asking first how and when and what and who but they never go to that basic like why do i do this why do i need this why am i going into wherever i'm going mm -hmm. and this is so important I, to, I would like to to pick your brain and like see because look how how design is integral in our life like someone designed your program for your entrepreneurship someone designed your college career and like not your exactly your college career but like your your internship or your courses and um how design affects how we perceive other like different like things and brands and companies like how what do you feel uh what what would say do you think that people should under get a better grasp of design in their life i mean you're seeing a drastic increase in companies hiring people with art degrees for example and positions that don't normally fit that that degree path so i think i think what design really allows you to do most importantly is to think abstractly so when you when you have something that's more structured like a math degree economics degree um, again, I'm going to relate it back to college because it relates to me. Um, uh, having something that's more structured like that, and even a business degree, you're you're kind of bound to the to the the track that you're in. Mm. But when you have, um, like I, I like to I like to put it as when you when you go down a traditional path like that, which is nothing wrong with it. If it, if it if you thrive in it, you thrive in it. Um, but I like to think about it as um, it's a it's a racetrack. Mm. Okay, so it's a lot of moving fast and it's a lot of um uh making sharp turns a lot of just moving in the same direction um and so you get an outcome well i think design is more like a trail and if you really want you could just go off trail you could do something a little different there still can be an end path and an end result but allows you to see a lot more in the process hmm. so the ability to really have that level of abstraction and the little of the, that that major um, little variable of thinking outside the box like that, which is I mean I really hate that term for some reason. It really clicked <laughs> with me, um, but just thinking differently. Um, I think uh, I think that's that's what design really allows you to do is because you have to think because you can't just there's not really a guidebook to design. So there's, saying, there's, it's basically being having a flexible mind to be able to yeah. change direction and kind of see things and change it's the fluid. angle, change the angle of, of your perspective. So you can, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a fluid perspective when you, when you have a design oriented mindset, um, or even not even design, just a creative, if you want to, if you yeah. want to put it even to a broader stroke, um, having a creative mindset allows you to see things that most people can't and seeing details that, that, uh, most people don't really connect with because they have a, they have their, their, their path, they have their direction and that's what they're used to. Hmm. And I think what creativity and design really allows someone to do is when I work with businesses, I'm not there to design for them. I'm there to creative. I'm, I'm there, I'm there to solve problems create, creatively. That's what I tell my clients. Um, so I think stepping back and going down the trail rather than the racetrack will allow you, it, 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 it'll allow you to be able to take those detours hmm. 
and to go off the trail and find something new and then come back and then have a new perspective. Um, cause at the end of the day, you're going to get to it. You're going to get to that, that final product, final service, um, that last checkpoint, that finish line and any path you take. But I think that the freedom aspect is what makes it different. I would like also to ask, um, uh, how, a design, good design can connect between a brand and a client, like the audience. Yeah. So I, um, this is one thing that I tell the, the companies that I work with, um, is they'll, 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 they'll there's always skepticism with design. There always is. And, uh, to, to kind of put this into like a metaphorical, um, somewhat metaphorical sense, uh, I always tell people, ask them this question and we'll just, we'll just do a quick role play about, uh, how I talk to clients. So uh, basically what you're going to do is you're going to ask me, why do I need this? Why, why do I need branding? Just go ahead and ask. Uh, why do you need branding? All right. So I'm going to give you one brand and I'm going to give you three reasons why the brand is one of the best brands ever made in history. Hmm. What do you think that brand is? Most companies are going to say Apple. They're going to say stuff like that, which is a reason Apple is good. And we can get into that later. But in my opinion, the number one brand ever made, which it hits very important variables is Dr. Seuss. Hmm. Dr. Seuss has a very specific style of messaging and diction. That's very unique that you instantly hear it. You know, it's Dr. Seuss. You instantly read it. You know, it's Dr. Seuss. It has a visual style that is instantly connected with you look at a tree and the tree has a, like a big ball at the top, a big bulb at the top. You don't think, Oh, that's a tree that has a ball at the top. You think it looks like a Dr. Seuss tree. Hmm. So it not only connects you to the brand, but it connects you to the outside world. So, um, so then the, the last variable is it's a recognizable name. The two variables are the foundation to the top, which is the, vi the messaging, the brand visuals, and then the top is finally the brand recognition. Yeah, but you so, talk to me, you talk with me about branding. I'm talking to you about how a good design for connects a client with its audience i mean it's not about the like um creating the synonyms or creating the clicks oh, i was but, about to get to that yeah but i'm saying like how how do you create a concept that reson like how how does creating a cup set that resonates with the clients is important like how does yeah that yeah and it's uh what, what the the final thing i was about to to bring up was you have the brand recognition but all three of those things have an outcome with the person. So, um, again, I have to connect this to what I'm good at. So with the way that it connects is when all those things come together, it creates a feeling with the consumer. Hmm. Um, so with Dr. Seuss, for example, when let's say you, um, think of Dr. Seuss and you, it was a part of your childhood, which was a part of pretty much everyone's childhood. Um, mine's so, so I'm like, I got, to yeah, I mean, I mean, for the, for the most part, I mean, you know, who Dr. Seuss yeah. is, what it does is those, th when those three things connect, it'll create a feeling, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it'll create a feeling. So like with me, for example, that level of design of every aspect from down from the diction to the imagery, to the, the physical, like visual design creates a, an aspect of nostalgia it creates a feeling within me. I see. Um, 
So it creates this level of connection with the brand that is unbreakable. That, that feeling will always be connected to me because I was read Dr. Seuss as a kid. So when you have, when you have those, those pillars connected, um, and you have those, those variables, uh, those variables that touch each point, it creates a feeling. So let's go to the most typical brand example, Apple. Yeah. Um, Apple has created a, uh, the, the, like in terms of technology, when you have an Apple product, it feels more luxurious. It feels like, um, it, to be honest, it's, it's, it has a pompous brand connection to it, but, um, they designed that. I would say the premium sensation. Premium. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, sometimes a slight snobby variable to Apple products. Um, there are, um, but I mean, the, 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 that's I don't ne- not necessarily their brand, um, their brand goal, their brand image that they wanted, but that, that hyper luxury feel to technology, which really doesn't exist in a lot of technology. Most of it's cheap plastics and, um, met for mass production. It's one of the reasons why Apple is so expensive, but the, uh, their, their, their brand recognition, their brand imaging allows them to charge more. Yeah. Um, so there, there's, there's a value in branding, but ultimately it's going to come down to how, what, what branding does is it, it's, it's, it's a silhouette of the company, but what it truly does is the, the brand, um, imaging and the brand, uh, the, the brand diction that you use is what really creates a feeling within the consumer as they consume your product or your service. So there's, there's a connection to it. There, there's, so, there's something, there's something metaphysical about the, the, the connection that you develop within a brand. So basically, so I would go, so basically branding is designing a connection. Yes. You're basically engineering a connection, which is incredible. Like, think about it. Like I, you, you can uh, target a specific feeling through imaging and through uh, arranging a bunch of uh, words mm-hmm. to push a message. Yeah. That's You're correct. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like, I think it's something people need, need to learn a little more to to appreciate how other things work and to see unlock, I would say unlock, uh, some beauty and perspective on other things. Yeah. And I think, I think design and creativity also changes the way you outlook life in general. There's a level, there's a level of beauty. You don't really, I mean, you truly don't see until you understand that it's there. And I think, uh, I mean, even just being outdoors, being in the mountains, like I love the mountains and that's where a lot of my design inspiration comes from. But being involved in, in design really allowed me to just kind of open up when I see things, look at things a little bit differently. You, you have more appreciation for just the way things are. I mean, like looking at a building and seeing how it's built, it's not just, oh, there's a building there. It's wow. This building looks the way it does. Like there's a purpose. It's, it's just there's a purpose to it, and I think uh, I think that adds a little bit of a little bit of connection to just physical things too, not just not just uh, not just with people or metaphysical things. I think um, I think design really kind of opens up that that viewport and really allows you to see things just a little bit differently. 
Um, I mean, for example, the World Trade Center, Freedom Tower. Yeah. Um, seeing, uh, looking up, it's designed to where it endlessly goes up. And then if you're at the top of the building and you look down, it's designed to endlessly look like it's infinitely going down. And just seeing the beauty in that and seeing how that, that thinking like someone thought of that, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Definitely. Like it's, it's, it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's all, what's so cool about it, that someone sees something and gives you, gives you a push towards your ideas, towards something else that kind of, I don't know, can create even more, something even more marvelous. Yeah. It's, it's, and you, and then once you begin to get in design, I think another cool thing that comes out of it is you find inspiration everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Everything you see, there's inspiration in something. When I go, when I work, before I start developing a logo or developing um, some uh, collateral design for, uh, for a client, I will just sometimes just drive around, look around, walk, just absorb see something you'll find some inspiration somewhere and um and just go on a hike go on a run do something and you can just instantly just find inspiration you can something you just see then all of a sudden it clicks <laughs> and you get back into your part you know you I mean you understand that that feeling that moment it clicks but just being in just finding inspiration absolutely everywhere and i mean not that you can't get that if you don't understand design but just it's it's different it's a different a different little different little bit of flavor yeah, it has a flavor that, that goes into it. It has a, as a, that makes it just a little more, a little more palatable. Yeah, hundred percent. I would like to ask you honestly, like, um, what, like, it's like not even in connection. I think it's sort of, but I would like to know your feedback about like what, how it was like to be in this podcast. I just thought about it like really on the spot, and I thought instead of kind of asking it off air because I think it's an aspect of our connection. And for me, it's a good way to grow. And I think it's a kind of set an example. So what was your experience of, of doing my, this podcast? I think it allowed me to do a lot of self-reflection on past memories. Um, speaking about something helps you learn, even if you know or know it already. Um, and going into, to, like we talked about a lot about design and a lot about, uh, what design does and just about life in general. I think, um, I think it really allowed me to self-reflect on a lot of the things that I've done in my life. I mean, I, I almost completely forgot about that whole second grade <laughs> monopoly I had on the class. Um, but just really connecting back to those memories. I think it puts things into perspective about what I've done. Um, and how it kind of just unfolded that wasn't honestly, now that I look back, everything that I've done really hasn't been a random path. It's kind of unfolded in front of me piece by piece by piece. And, um, I think, uh, I think that's it really, it really allowed me to kind of see how that unfolded. I think that's, that's something that you don't really get a lot when you're on your own. I think talking to somebody, especially someone who's, who's structuring the conversation to really help that unfold fold which is important you did an amazing job with that but helping uh helping connect all those dots yeah it was do you think yeah. the structure there was a, some like there was a clear structure to this episode oh yeah yeah the, you definitely connected everything back to what we talked about in the beginning which was connection 
and um, from beginning to end. And you helped facilitate kind of the conversation that really allowed me to work towards those thoughts. And because when, when you when you have a conversation, you can ramble a lot. True. But your ability to your ability to navigate those thoughts is important. And having someone help you can bring out a lot, like, like I talked about, it can bring out a lot of past memories, a lot of um, new perspectives or old perspectives on things. And uh, you definitely segue that really well, allowed me to kind of navigate my chaotic <laughs> thing in my head that I call my brain. Yeah, both of us can be very chaotic and like go on tangents like endlessly. Yeah. Um, what would you like, uh, if you could give me one tip for, uh, improving myself, uh, what could, what could, what would that be? And from this, for the uh, podcast or life, uh, let's do one of each. <laughs> okay. Uh, for life, uh, grow your hair back. Not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need to do a transplant for that. And I'm not going it, to, it's possible. Like, do I want to do it? Probably not. Like I embracing no, my baldness. That, that's your whole brand now. Like you can't mess with that. You saw you saw my brand. Like you saw. I know. Way. I know. I was part of the whole process. I know. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Tough questions. You have to make sure you digest them properly. Uh, with the podcast, in all honesty, I think um, I think you having a clear direct direction about what you want to talk about is crucial. Um, I think that was really important. Um, I think the ability to navigate the whole conversation, but keeping it on track, um, which, which you did, and it's just going to keep getting better. And that's the only thing I can only, only advice I could give to you in terms of, of going through this is making sure that every single top talking point, if you have a direction and a specific theme that it continues with that, um, which again, yeah. You did, you did, you did a really good job with that. Um, with you, um, the biggest thing I can say that would get, uh, that would benefit you the most is to, uh, move out of Tel Aviv and get back to the U S. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm still actually, I'm like at my parents' place at Lod, but Tel Aviv could be nice living by my own, but I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how can people find you and connect to you on the on the internet and uh, what's uh, your what's your latest endeavor that you'd like to share with everyone yeah so um you can always just go to my instagram it's uh basically it's it's just it's a joke instagram at the current moment uh pretty much the whole thing is about hating on pineapple on pizza which i think is just disgusting yes. um, that that's, that's my bio is my bio explains it all but it's just scott underscore travis super <laughs> easy um he has the name like the, the rapper uh, but cooler yeah, well, I don't white. know if it's cooler, but, um, but, uh, no, my biggest, uh, the, my most recent endeavor. So, uh, my buddy and I, uh, one of my best friends on the planet, I wouldn't even call him a friend anymore. He's just, he's a brother, just like you are. He's, he's family. Um, we started a, a business together because we saw dishonesty within the fitness industry, just like we talked about with me bit honest business is important and just same with him honest business is equally important and uh we saw an issue uh, within the fitness industry and i'm gonna get i'm gonna get to that one moment after i talk about the business because i don't think it'll segue properly <laughs> basically what we do is um a lot there, we do a lot but the main thing we're focusing on right now is 
we provide personal training that's actually been personalized for you. So a lot of trainers will go in and they will, they will give you um, a, a basically a fixed workout and they just turn out, turn these things out really, really just nonchalant. And there's not really a, a personal connection involved in that. So basically what we do is we do in-home personal training and we then uh, go to the client's homes. We develop a relationship with them and we actually begin to not focus on making them uh, just fitter. We focus on making them healthier. There's a huge What's difference. The name? How is it called? Yeah. 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 And it's, um, it's called dual performance. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, you can just go to dualperformance.com and it'll explain a little bit more, but basically in long story short, it's, um, our approach is not just making you look good, but it's also making you feel good at the same time. There's a mind and body approach to it. So, um, yeah, we started it, uh, about a year ago. It's just now finally taking off. We've just now had the ability to, to, to really take off. Uh, we're about to do some huge things coming up here pretty soon, but it's, uh, it's been the most intense journey I've had so far. It sounds like you really took all the tools that you gain across, uh, along the road and took all the listening and uh, discovering the experience and the design and the uh, flexible mind mindness and put it together with the help of your friend and you really make, want to make a difference. Yeah. I mean, we both have had a passion um, for fitness and just health in general, but um he had the expertise of the industry that I didn't, but I had the expertise in my industry, which he needed. And we both just decided just to combine both minds and make this product or this service, I should say. And I mean, it's, it's, it's taking off. There's, we, we do stuff differently. We, um, we, the biggest issue that we saw was trainers were getting robbed. If you can't start a business and become wealthy off of making others wealthy, you're doing something wrong. You should never become wealthy off of someone else's hard work. Yeah. So we make sure the trainers are very, very well paid. We're not there. We're there to, to make a difference in the clients' lives and the trainers' lives. That's important. So, yeah, it's very important. And I think that's how business should be run. Honesty. Yeah, and you should, yeah, and it's, it's a level of connection with your, with, your, um, with your employees, with your teammates, with your, uh, with your company. Having the ability to make sure they're taken care of before yourself. That's the way it should be. You're a leader. That's a, yeah, that's what I was about to say. That's a great way to lead. So uh, all the links are going to be in the description of the podcast. Uh, Of course, Scott, send me them so I can put it out. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. It was a little longer than usual, but I really like to dive into the subjects and really uh, get to know things. So thank you so much for coming in the podcast. Thank you, everyone who listened. And I'll see you on the next episode.